whenever you first got to the varsity football team at Fort Bend Austin High School, who was the first person to kind of kick your butt and make you realize this is a whole different level of competition? So um, it's kind of a my my story is kind of different because it actually no it, it man I got my ass kicked you know got my butt kicked a few times but the first time that I knew of something different was actually during spring football right when I when I got bumped up to the varsity group I wasn't officially on varsity yet actually later that practice when I got the official black jersey yeah. for people that bumped up but um in that practice. Um, I was playing split tackle, you know, back when people still flip the lines. I don't think anybody does that anymore. Yeah. Uh, sides of the, or not sides of the strikes. Right. But, um, so on this play, we ran this a lot and you can attest to this, our pitch or toss yep. or strength, yep. you know, assimilation. Well, anyway, so, um, this one, this particular toss was going away from the strength, away from me. So okay. it's going to the strength. And on this play, I'm taking my zone, my zone step. It's supposed to, you know, get the first person I see. Well, you know, the nose was in a one, so I wasn't going to reach him. So it was to yeah. go to the second. You remember this guy, Matt Melendez? Oh, yeah. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Was the linebacker that was playing the weak side at the moment. <laughs> and once again, I was supposed to get to that second level. And, I mean, I've done this play for a couple of years before, knew what to do, get up there. And I can never get to him. Like I did it the first time <laughs> and I come back and kind of reevaluate in my head. Like, okay, wait, I just, I just need to take a better step. I just need to take a better step, bad step, whatever. Boom. Didn't get to him. So we ran a few more plays, which I did well on. Then we went back to this particular play pitch toss. And once again, I cannot get to him. And I'm like, okay, that was a good step that time. Maybe I just got to pick up the speed. So you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to go faster. And the third time I did it and just cannot get to him. And this is the moment where I was <laughs> frustrated. I never in my mind got this frustrated on a play at, at that time, at that time, you know, at at a at, uh, sophomore year in high school. And then I remember, like, I still didn't get him the third time. So fourth time, I was like, screw it. So I just tried to cut him. Like, I know we weren't supposed to cut because we're teammates and it's spring yeah. football. But I was getting so frustrated, I tried everything. Once again, cannot get him. I just try to cut, missed with my, oh, my God. And I'm, like, frustrated now. And, um, but apparently I didn't have a bad practice that game because that's when I received my black jersey Yeah, uh, to be on varsity. So apparently I had a good practice. But that one particular one was Matt Melendez. I just couldn't get to him. And, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, you're on varsity. You know, these guys have been lifting for a few years. They're just more athletically bigger, stronger, faster than, you know, lower levels. But that was the first moment where I realized, like, like Matt Melendez is a good athlete. Don't get me wrong. And I was a good athlete. What I just learned at that moment was he that said that varsity level, and in particular him, because he had already been on varsity for a year, is that they just read so well and knew the game so well that he could just get there just because he knew what he was doing. And even though I don't think he even made the play because it was on the backside or whatever for him, but he was always in the right spot. And I just, that's a, that was my first moment that, I, Hey, you know, football is much more than just, Hey, who's gonna be bigger, stronger, which don't get me wrong. You need that, especially nowadays, but he just knew just read it perfect every time, got to the ball, and I just couldn't get to him. 
So that was my first moment that I'm like, you know what? This is the big time now. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy, initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, welcome to another brand new episode of the Team Player Podcast This is episode number 60, we are well on our way into season number 2 We got a very special edition today, a lot of Team Player Podcasts first I think this is my first high school teammate that has come into the Team Player Podcast studios Maybe the first, I think the first guy that's in my wedding, <laughs> I mean, from that's, that's been a team player podcast alumnus here. And so this is a very special guest, a guy that I've known for a very long time. He was also maybe, well, Coach Shal has been on the show. So I had my offensive coordinator at Aldine High School. Well, now you've got my defensive coordinator. So I've had now both of my coordinators for the Aldine Mustangs coming into the studios. It's my pleasure to welcome my good friend and now an offensive line coach at Maid Creek High School in Katy ISD. Welcome to the show, Albert Estrada. How y'all doing? There he is, man. Albert, man, you know, yeah, no, I'm so happy that you're here, man. I love your answer on that first segment because almost every single person, whenever they talk about their first welcome to varsity moment it's when they got physically dominated in mm-hmm. football you know somebody just ear hold them or they're pulling on counter and just blew them up yours was different i like that yours was about like the speed of the game the the intelligence of a varsity player just it wasn't even that you got your ass kicked necessarily but you were just it, everything was moving too fast for you to to accomplish what you wanted right. to accomplish there you go. that that's that's the best way to put it it was faster than i expected in regards of just the game itself which Honestly, I knew that, and as but you know, especially as an offensive line guy, you're thinking it's gonna be something more physical. And like I said earlier, like trust me, I got my butt handed to me a few times. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that that one moment that also that's where I got most frustrated. That's the first time, honestly, at the time I was honestly frustrated because I just couldn't do it. I, I I tried everything I possibly could to get there, and I just physically i know we're uh, you know it's his speed but physically couldn't reach him you know at least and like i, I got a hand on him but it, it didn't phase him because i didn't get enough you know right, so right well hey i mean we're, we're about to dive into the show but before we do if, if you've enjoyed these team player podcasts please if you're part of the team player movement take that five seconds to give us a five-star rating that helps so many people to find the show we've gotten a lot of ratings uh especially at the beginning they're slowing down a little bit so we're actually at 49 ratings on spotify so if you're listening to this, go be number 50. And then we got 27 on Apple Podcasts, so pretty good. And if you leave a written review, I will read those on the show. We love to hear those. So please share with your friends. Just It's word of mouth. I mean, this podcast really has grown from nothing into something that's pretty cool. We do have some very loyal listeners. So please share the word to anybody that loves sports and loves coaches. Uh, you can also hit the follow button to subscribe, and that way you'll get a new episode in your queue every single Sunday. We'd be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. And I'm your host, James Kobleski. Please follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, Albert, let's dive into it, man. So 
our our cross our paths crossed in high school. So I didn't actually really know you before high school. We became very close in high school, but I knew that at the time you you were in the Pecan Grove, you know, area in Richmond, you know. But I I know I should know this, but I, I, can you recount to me as far as where you lived before there, all the different places you lived as far as when you were really little? Okay, so um, so I guess I start off, and I'm gonna start off with this because it'll explain everything. So my dad was a my dad was a, or a pharmacist. Mm -hmm. um and we had we bounced a lot around a lot yep, so yep. i was born in el paso which i know you know that for a fact yep. um chronologically i would you need my parents to explain it to me but obviously it's yeah i do that right now but um we lived in la misa we lived in san benito wow uh, um we lived in harlingen yeah which is the place we lived at the longest before we moved to, to the, the, you know, Richmond, Pecan Grove area. Yeah. Then right before we moved to uh, uh, Pecan Grove, we lived in Victoria. Okay. And then so Victoria, and it's funny because my sister literally was born a day before, uh, two, two days before that. And so when we got released from El Paso to come back, my parents wanted us all born in El Paso. We brought her uh, back to Victoria. She was there for one day when we packed up our, the rest of our stuff. And then we moved to Congrove, which I lived there since I was uh, six years old and pretty much born and raised after that. So we bounced a lot uh, around a lot just because my dad, my dad looking for the promotions and stuff like that. And he honestly wanted to move out of El Paso. That was kind of his thing. Um, I know we went to a lot of smaller towns before that, before we finally got to Houston. And I, that was my dad's big deal was he really wanted us to live in, in the Houston area, more job opportunities, you know, for him and stuff like that. And just, he always wanted to be like in a really, really, really big city. So that's my dad for you. So that's where we all live growing up. And then, uh, like I said, I've been in this beautiful city for most of my life. Yeah. And in Pecan Grove since sixth grade, and I mean, you got to do the whole plan Pecan <laughs> Grove hurricanes and all the gators and all yeah. Were you Gators or Hurricanes? I know there was two teams out there. No, no, Gators and Gators were not made. Okay. Until my brother's first year, so that would I was in middle school by then. So yeah, Gators was after that. So it was the Hurricanes. Your Congrove Hurricanes. I mean, your house was always fun, man. It was always just plenty of kids over there and good food to eat and lots of good times. So you had that kind of really nice, you know. I don't, I wouldn't call it a party house. Not like we weren't throwing like high school parties or anything, but we. No. <laughs> We, we were, were over the, there having a good time, man. So we were the, uh, we were the office alignment hangout spot because had all the food you wanted. Yeah, my my parents were always there. Yes. Uh, um. So by yeah, they were always just cooking up. My, my mom was always cooking up food for us. You know, Hispanic household. Yeah. And you know, we already eat a lot. Then you got a bunch of office alignment in there, except for Jason Hayes. But <laughs> everybody's all pretty much an office alignment at my house, and so we're all just yeah. eating a lot. So. Yeah, and then I, once you got to Austin High School, so you, you had that nice deal where like you kind of got to be around your teammates, really most right. of your life, right? So most of your mm -hmm. school life, you were around these guys. I came a little bit later. I'm I was one year ahead of you. I'm class of 2002. You're class of 2003. So I was already at Austin High School, but I was kind of a new kid as a freshman. I, I moved in the middle of my eighth grade. I I had originally gone to Sugarland Middle School. I would have went to Kempner High School, and then. Uh, the funny story, of course, as you know, my senior year, Austin goes three and seven. Of course, Kempner goes 10 and 0. So those are my kids, grow, you know, my my childhood friends. So it could have been a part of that. But that's OK. I'm so glad I went to Austin. But anyhow, we, we get to Austin High School. 
I make the I was a very late bloomer. So I was on I was on the freshman A team, but as a as a sophomore, I played like B team. I played like sophomore team, basically, you know, JVB essentially. And then by the skin of my teeth made the varsity as a junior. I think actually I was practicing with the JV the entire fall camp. And then I think I got called up like right before the first game against Clear Lake of my junior year. Was not a starter you know, sat there on the sidelines. That was my welcome to varsity moment was actually going into my first varsity game. It felt like back in those days, all the defensive ends were six foot four with long arms. And there was this guy from clear Lake. I cannot remember his name. I'll have to look it up. I think it was Adam something, but anyway, it was like, I was like, Whoa, this guy is bigger, faster, stronger, longer than me. (laughs) You know? So I kind of felt that when I first got in there, but then some kind of injury happened. I think by game two, I started and I just never let go of it and became a two-year starter for the Austin Bulldogs. And then, so that spring ball, the, after my first year of varsity, that's when you kind of come onto the scene. You know, yes. so you're a sophomore going through the offseason, you know, trying to, you know, assert your spot to become, a, you know, going into your junior year and become a starter on the offensive line. And there were spots to be had. You know, my particular class wasn't extremely deep offensive line-wise. You know, I, I was really the only junior that played that year. There was another junior that played a little bit, but not – not in a really, a, a, you know, standard starter. You know, he was kind of a spot starter at times or filling in. So I was really the only returning starter on that offensive line. So a lot of spots for grabs. So it's a really fun spring of competition. And you kind of Im- immediately stood out to me. There is this something about oh. you. I just, I like this guy. At that time, you know, I was a former, I, just like you, very chubby as a kid. And so got stuck on the offensive line. But then as we got to high school, you and I both started leaning out and getting you know, getting faster and strong, you know, so we were kind of like undersized offensive linemen. So I was like, this guy kind of reminds me of me, <laughs> you know, he can, he can pull on counter and he's pretty fast, you know? And so I immediately took a liking to you and that's how we became friends. But that, that's my recollection of everything, Albert. So for you, as you were trying to make your way onto the varsity football team at Austin, what do you remember? Okay. Hold on. Let's bring up you a little bit. Okay. Oh, good. So, okay. <laughs> uh, just so everybody knows on this podcast, just how like the, at the moment, the lower levels, because like you just you just express that you're you're older than us, so it makes me feel younger. Um, but like I remember at that time, you were like the prototypical like that's what you want to be as an office alignment, mm-hmm. and I that's what we would talk about as as high schoolers, like oh James Kolesky, oh James Kolesky, you know. And uh, <laughs> I mean, even some of the the coaches, you know, Coach Kitterman and all right. them, like. You know, Kovaleski doesn't do it wrong. And um, <laughs> so that's kind of where I was like, oh, man, this guy is the big deal. Second thing, since we're bringing up first time for everything, I think I may have told you this. And maybe you maybe you, don't, you forgot or maybe I don't know. Maybe you do remember. But just to let you know, the first thing that James Kovaleski said to me was what you just brought up a pull where yeah. I was a split tackle at the moment you're the split guard. Yep. And we both pulled obviously on our GT. And when we got back to the huddle, you said, Oh, this is a fast side of the offensive line. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh yeah. And a compliment from James Kovaleski. And in case y'all are wondering, a uh, nickname we kind of gave him in high school is Jaime Santos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we gave him that nickname because people could never figure out what he was. So a lot of people thought he was Hispanic. They always thought he was Hispanic. I mean, he's got they a good hand that and <laughs> darker features. So we just gave him a Spanish name and James, you know, in Spanish yep. is high. I don't know where we came in Santos, but that just I don't know popped. either, man. But th- no, those are such good times. I mean, I, I 
sometimes I, I wish I was Hispanic. <laughs> I just love, you know, I love the culture. We listen you to do. SPM and Baby Bash and all that kind of stuff in, in your uh, old little. And the funny thing was, the biggest guys have smallest cars. I drove a Chevy yeah. Cavalier. You drove a, a Honda Civic, you know, Accord, yeah, Accord, Honda yeah. Accord stick shifts. We both had these little tiny cars, and we were stick you know, shifts. Huge, remember? Yep. Yeah, huge offensive lineman, but. Really great times at Austin High School. And, you know, I, I share on the show a lot of times. I, I've shared this with my listeners, so they all know this, Albert. You, you know this about me, that I, I grew up in kind of a dysfunctional household. You know, I had a really bad relationship with my dad, and there was kind of some, you know, domestic abuse kind of stuff going on, all, all that kind of stuff. And so, for me, school was really an escape. It's something I really looked forward to. I was so envious of you and your family. Because, like I said, I go over to your house, and just everything just seemed so perfect and fun. And I just – I was always envious of that. But, you know, I resented my dad, so I really needed coaches. And you mentioned the guy for me, and all the coaches at Austin were great. We were so blessed to have an amazing staff led by Coach Tom Stewart. But for me, the guy that really stood out was Coach Kitterman. He just made me feel like, first of all, he was Superman. And then he made me feel like by, you know, by an offshoot of that, like I was Superman in a way. Like I could do anything. I was, he made me feel like I was the best, you know, and I was special. And I'll never forget the first time I saw him come into the field house in the summertime, uh, I guess before my junior year. And I swear to in my head, he was military pressing 225 pounds. Now I don't know if that is accurate, but in my head, he had two plates in the bar and was just military pressing it. Very possibly true. This man was extremely strong, but Kitterman was special. And so I'm curious for you. I don't think we've ever really talked about this as much and you were one year behind me. So you also had some other coaches come through after I left and you've had, you had a different mixture of coaches than what I had. Um, I'm curious for you. I think we both had coach Irwin though. You know, so for me it was Irwin and Kitterman were kind of my guys, my senior year, but were there any coaches at Austin that really kind of made that same impact for you as coach Kitterman did for me? Okay. We can go on for a long tangent. So I, hopefully we have some time on this. We got plenty, but, hey, uh, all the time in the world. Okay. Well, let me, let me go back real quickly about yeah. you brought my family, you know, hanging out and then you want to bring up your family for a little bit. Now, as you say that about your family and th this is what's, this is what's crazy to me, like, as being, I guess, a high schooler, you're still kind of naive, yeah. but I remember going to your house, and we would sometimes hang out there, and I had nothing but, like, good memories as well. Like, yeah. like yeah. I know you talked about with your dad. Your dad was nothing but very cordial to me. Hey, yeah. Albert. You know, you always remember, you yeah. always call me out. You know what I mean? Like, and I know you, you always don't know what's going on unless you live there, and sure. we all sure. your mom's the sweetest lady mom's in the world. great, yeah. No, no complaints there. <laughs> But um, well, Albert, before you... we go on, though, isn't that a great point, though, is that whenever I was going through that, I always felt like I'm the only kid that's experiencing this, experiencing this. Mm -hmm. I always felt mm -hmm. it's just me. But then again, like you said, like for you on the surface, of course, parents are going to behave normal in front of their friends. But like when you go home at night, that's when kind of the chaos breaks loose, you know. And so yeah. I guess that's just for us to remember with kids, even if we meet kids, parents and they seem really nice at, you know, functions or whatever, we never really know what's going on behind closed doors for our for our kids right i mean i think you would agree with that like no you had no idea what was going on i had no idea some of the things that you know and you know with with your family that you know that, that you had to deal with neither of us had any idea we both we both thought each other were living this perfect dream and i, I just think that that's isn't that so common for lots of kids out there today yeah so it, it's 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 a weird yeah i mean it's weird it kind of sucks for the the person the the, the child that's living there yeah. But it's so good for your parents to be very accepting of their friends to where they almost, I don't want to use the word affront, but right. don't right. bring 
the drama out. You know right. what I mean? And just right. like, yeah, my family, we had a very close knit family. Um, you know, my brother and sister, like we're still like best friends and everything. And, you know, but, but my mom was a severe alcoholic, which right. no one really knew. Right. right. Is what caused her demise yeah. eventually. But, um, but I mean, that being said, like it, it you guys didn't know that. Right. You know what I, I mean? No idea. No idea. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Your idea. And so like it's it's kind of crazy with with that. But anyway, so I'm just saying, like, I, I just wanted to throw a positive out to, yeah. to, to your home life that for my experience though, it was still fun to go over there. And I know my house was the, the party house or, yeah. or hangout house, whatever you want right. to use the the right terminology for it the atmosphere that we uh your we, house has we, had that perfect layout where it's kind of open in the living room you had a nice backyard you know i just didn't have all the cool stuff yeah <laughs> uh, the open kitchen and stuff yeah, like that yep yep so anyways going back to the the the, the coaches thing so i think um 100 we had the the coach kitterman uh thing i used to call him like my father of football yeah. and i'm not saying he's like displacing my father like like my father was always oh, yeah. there I'm, oh yeah or specifically for football, um, big deal, big deal. Coach Irwin didn't come till a little bit later. Um, great relationship with him. Yep. I actually, our relationship kind of built a little bit later um, because of the whole fact that I did my student teaching at Fort Ben Austin, and he was there for. I, he was actually, you know, my 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 mentor when I was doing my student teaching. So we got a little bit closer too. So he had definitely his uh uh aspect of being like my uh like my father of football yeah but before i bring up the last coach i want to bring up i gotta bring up my kidman story real quickly okay so once again you brought this up with the military press um i believe i was a freshman i have a pretty good memory but i don't think as a sophomore because i think i would have been a little bit more shocked as a freshman as a sophomore but I, uh, you know how we had those, uh, you know, during the summer, we had those little morning workouts, you know, yep. like it's you know, 8 a.m. Well, my parents, you know, or my dad dropped me off because he's going to work. So he dropped me off early and I was like the first person there. And sure enough, this monster of a man was working out at, yeah. uh, in the weight room. And it was Coach Kitterman, which I find out in a few, but I didn't know at the moment. He had 275 on the bar for bench yeah. press. And it, to me, that's at, at that age, it was an astronomical number. And even yeah. 275, pretty, pretty. I mean, you're not you're not a weak human being ever. Yeah. And he's like, hey, buddy, can you do me a favor? Can you spot me? And I'm <laughs> like, oh, I hope you can lift this because I don't know if I can yeah. help. I'm like, sure. you yeah. know, I went over there. And I can't remember the exact number of how many reps he had, but it was definitely more than five. And he repped it and it was fairly easy. And he's like, yep. thank you. Son. And. He put a weight up and um, asked me my name and what I played. And I remember he gave me a couple. He's like, hey, you're a good-sized kid and, you know, and everything. But uh, that was my first introduction uh, to uh, Coach Kitterman. It's and- pretty much the same story because I, I, I yeah. mine happened in my sophomore year. So, yeah, it was the exact same time when he first showed up in the weight room. And we both just saw him doing these incredible feats of strength. Yeah. We thought he was just the coolest, man. But Kitterman yeah. had that way. He had those intense eyes that were like they'd start like getting red and watery, and he, yes. he would, it's like he's always on the verge of tears, but like because he was so intense, and he would just I remember like the halftime speeches. I remember one good story. Uh, you weren't there yet, but my junior against this one Willowridge had the best defense in the city. They had oh, this yeah. big defensive tackle named Big Robert Stovall, and 
God, was he kicking. They had a defensive end named Cedric Sullivan. They had all these awesome players. And this kid was just kicking my ass all game long. And he just, he, in, in the halftime, he just looked at me and just basically said something to the effect of Kovo or Kobe. Like he, he's a, he's a 18 year old kid, just like you are, you know, like he, he bleeds, he hurts, he's feels, you know, like, you know, he's no better than you. And it, it inspired me to just play inspired football the entire second half. And Kidman always did that. And then when I saw him more recently, I think the reason why he gets kids to buy in and actually want to run through a wall for him, because you know, he does love you and care about you. I saw him mm-hmm. this past year. He's now the offensive coordinator at Sci Falls high school. I do commentating as you've seen me a couple of times done one of your games in the past. And it was at halftime. It was late in the season. They're in a game. To, and this is a really tough district. He's in a tough district game. Like I think the winner goes to the playoffs. It's like, it's like, I think maybe Sci Falls either tied or losing. And that, you know, so they're coming back from halftime, coming back up into the press box. He's got like a minute till kickoff starts. And he was going to try to, he was walking in to try to go to the restroom. I happen to be walking in the hallway and he sees me. He stops everything, comes right up to me, gives me a big hug. And he said, Kobe, how's your family? And it just kind of hit me, man. Like th- this guy's got, you know, he's got such bigger fish to fry. He's been coaching his ass off. He's got this big game in front of him. All he wants to do is just use the restroom. And he stops everything because he wants to know how my family's doing. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of guy that Coach Kitterman is. And that's the kind of coach like you are. And your kids respond to you. And I think it's just so important. That's why I do this show. Like, coaches like that are just so important. So I'm so glad if that, you know, you felt the same way about Coach Kitterman. Yeah. So um, just real quick before I go into that other coach I was going to tell you about, yeah. Coach Kitterman, I did get the opportunity, okay, to coach against him when he was, you know, he has him being an OC there. Aldine played, you know, uh, that's Sci-Fi. right. That's right. Yeah. When he had left and I was a DC there. And so I got to go coach against him, wow. like literally <laughs> him. And we talked before the game and all this other stuff, you know. Yeah, great guy is, and and of course he he uh, his team handed it to us. Mm-hmm. And so the next day, I got his email and messaged him as like, "Hey, coach, like we think the game, what to what what, what I should have done different, what we should have done different, everything." And he sent me like literally a couple paragraphs about what I would have done different. That's awesome. <laughs> What he would have done different and what he saw. Yeah. And what is that he would make. And it was awesome. Like it was it was it was awesome. So like once again, like he's always there to help. And I think that's what um that's what coaches are supposed to be. Yeah, we want to win. Hell yes, we want to win because it makes life so much easier and less stressful. But at the end of the day, it's 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 just helping out the younger kids or you know, other coaches too. You know what I mean? Is you're just helping out as well. Let, let me tell one more Kidman story before you go to your final coach. And this, <laughs> this is a good one for coaches that are looking for cool things to do with their kids. Cause it's a tradition that coach Kidderman had. It was our, our last game of my career. We're playing Clements. And this was essentially the toilet bowl. We were the two last place teams <laughs> in district 25 a, but the cool thing was, and that's why I love games like this. We were very evenly matched. And this yep. game ended up going into triple overtime. So you were there, you were right. a junior. Yep. And we were back and forth, back and forth in the triple overtime. We, we, we hand off like on a little belly, you know, fullback dive play to Randy Broussard. He punches it in. We get the Randy lead. Broussard. Sorry. Yep. That's the name. That's yep. The name. Our defense has to get the stop. Eventually I think Ernie Toto busts through there, hits the quarterback, kind of deflects the ball, the, the incomplete end of the game. We dog pile at midfield and we're celebrating. Yep. And we just went three and seven, but for us, that was our Super Bowl that, that year. The thing that I remember is like being so, going from so happy to once we got in front of the band to hold our helmets up and do the school song the last time, 
I lost it. It was just incredible waterworks because in that moment, I flashed back not to the games. It wasn't any of the games. I flashed back to all those moments in the weight room after school or even at track practice, just sitting around on the, on the pole vault mat with the other throwers and just hanging out and being kids and goofing around. I flashed back to all those moments and such a big part of my life was now over. And it was, it just, it hit me like a brick wall and I could not get up. I remember falling to a knee and just crying and coach Kitterman coming over to me, just like he always does with his big, strong hands and lifting me up and says, you know, get up Kobo, you're Kobe. You're not, you're not gonna, you know, you, you don't need, you don't, you, you don't deserve to cry on this field or something, something along those lines that I want to carry your helmet off the field. And that's like a tradition that he did was he would carry seniors helmets off the field. It's kind of like a show of respect and thank admiration and thank you for the, for everything that they did for the program. So I thought that was pretty cool. Just something I've never heard of or heard of since that's something that coach Kitterman always did uh, for us. So that's my last Kitterman story, but I'm going to turn it over to you uh, to, to keep going on, on your coaches stories. Okay. I will, but I got those out there just to yeah. let you know. Uh, Kovaleski was a ball. Yes. I lost that. Yeah. I think he had some mocos coming out and everything. Like he was going all out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I remember you were crying hard, but I can't make, I can't make fun of you because same yeah. thing happened year for me right i was both eyes, eyes out you know with kitterman grabbing our helmets and yeah. walking off with them but anyways my last story is actually kind of a different one with a coach because this conversation actually got me into coaching and teaching in the first place yeah so my senior year you already graduated but i think you remember when i broke my hand mm-hmm. uh it was a good push so i broke my hand you know, I was, I still play, just had to wear a cast or whatever. And so we had this one special practice where it was at Mercer. I, I don't know, we, we, we got it and, you know, it was a like big special practice. But anyways, but since I had the cast on, I had this, I had to do a special padding that the trainers had to put on. So I don't use it as a weapon or hurt anybody, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm like trying to get it wrapped up. We had to leave like right after school. Because, you know, to get the Mercer, by the time we get there, we still want to get legitimate practice, lengthy practice. And so I actually was, I missed the bus. And cause I was still trying to get my cast. And, but I didn't really miss the bus. Coach Russell saw, and Coach Russell's like, hey, Stroud, you can just ride with me. I'm like, okay, yeah. cool, but whatever. So Coach Russell drove me. So this is about Coach Russell, who I actually had opportunity to coach with for four years. Yes. At Fort Ben Austin. But, um, I was in the car with him. We were just driving. And I was like, hey, coach. You know, it's my senior year. So at this point, I'm, I'm also thinking, like, what am I going to do after this, you know, for a, for a career? And I was like, hey, Coach Russell, I have a question for you. What made you get into education and teaching and coaching or whatever? And he said, honestly, this is what happened to me. He's like, my dad was in sales. Hmm. And he was really huge on me going to sales because that's where the money's at, you know, everything. Well, he goes to school and he's in sales and or business. Mm-hmm. And he said he, he was there for a year doing business stuff. And he hated, he just hated everything about it. It yeah. just wasn't yeah. personality. And anybody that knows coach Russell, that's that it's, it's just like, Oh man, I hope that's different, but just like my personality, I could do sales. And so he told him, his, he said he went home after a year and told his dad, like, I don't want to go into sales. I want to go into education. I want to be a football coach and I want to teach. And of course his father has blessing. He's like, Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess his dad was just more worried that he goes to school. 
Right. And so what Coach Russell told me is, you know, you do a job and it ta- and it's most of what you do. And if you're doing something you don't love, you know, it, why would you do it? And he's like, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, like, you know, eventually I'm going to have a family. I'm going to have my kids. I'm going to have my wife. And if I'm doing a job that makes me miserable, why would I come home? And then I'm constantly miserable all, all, all day from work and then take it to home with me. Yeah. He's, I love what I do now. I'm happy all the time. I come home. I'm happy. It's just always I'm happy. And at the end of the day, he makes a good point. Like, just be happy with what you do with your job. You're still getting paid. Yeah. Still helping. And so I really thought about it. And initially, I just did my basic my first year, but that's when I finally went to education. And I always saw in the back of my mind that uh, that conversation I had with Coach Russell, you know, my senior year of high school about what to do for a living. And sure enough, that's what I end up doing. And I attribute it not just to Coach Russell. I mean, there's a lot of other factors why I did it, but he was one of the stories that made me really think about like, hey, maybe I should do this too. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So you were just like me, and that I well, I knew since I was in eighth grade. Eighth grade is when I made the decision. That Dude, I was- we all we were all jealous of you because you <laughs> knew exactly. What you, all of us were still kind of like, wait, this guy already knows what he's been doing since he got out of the womb, and we're all <laughs> like, what am I gonna do? You know, because I don't want to do pharmacy. Like, yeah. I don't want to count pills all day and stand in the same spot. You know, right? Which is what I'm doing. But I was like, I don't want to go that route. You know, so. No, man, that's really cool. And Coach Russell, my, my memory of him, because at Austin, we played both sides of the ball. So I also, Coach yeah. Russell was also my coach because I was a defensive tackle, you know. But yeah. I guess I was, even though I played both sides, I was obviously more a mm-hmm. part of the mm-hmm. offense. So I kind of saw Coach Kitterman as my coach. And Russell was yeah. my coach, but more of a secondary way, in a way, since I was primarily mm-hmm. offense. But he was right. awesome. And I always remember he took me for my uh, Say No to Drugs poster at Rice Stadium. So that was the time that I got to ride in a car of Coach Russell. And getting to ride in the car, like, he's just so cool. Just like you said, man. Yeah, just just had such a good time. And then we played the spring game that night. And that was a wake-up moment for me when you kicked my ass. Because I remember there was a double team between you and Jason Coach where you guys pancaked me. And I guess I thought – it's one of those things where I thought that because of my, you know, bigger, stronger, whatever, that I could just beat a double team like that. And I tried to – I played bad technique and just try to, like, you know, but you guys – really put me on my ass and i was like man i was like that's when i really was respect i really was i already respected you but i was like man albert's really good but we have some fun stories there you know from austin so we both knew that we wanted to get into coaching i'm just curious any other thoughts with oh i wanted to ask you this albert so both you and i have in our lives have gone through extreme periods of weight gain and weight loss let's talk about that for any (laughs) listeners that have experienced that so both of us grew up very chubby and so that's why we played on the offensive line. I think back in the 90s, bless our parents, they did the best. But at least my parents, like, it was very much like 90s kids. You just kind of come home by yourself and you watch Nickelodeon and you drink soda <laughs> and you eat Cheetos. And, like, I if I, I think back to what I ate as a kid, there's no wonder I was so obese, you know? Mm-hmm. But then once I got to Austin, my freshman year, I could just feel like, and, and especially in high school when you start, like, comparing maxes and 40 times, I'm just like, I'm not a good athlete. You know, I'm just getting by with being big and sloppy. And I immediately after my freshman year and leading into my sophomore year, I I really, I don't know if it started maybe late in the spring, but definitely in the summertime, I very like, I was like a Spartan. I changed, like I would extremely strict diet, no fried foods, no soda, no sweets. It was a very bland diet that I ate salad every night for dinner, you know, with, with a meal, but like always had a salad, no dressing. 
uh, ran a mile every day. I would run one mile every day at the Austin high school track. And so I left at 5'11", 220 as a freshman. And I came back as a sophomore, six foot one. So I grew and I was 188 pounds. So I, I gained a couple inches, right. lost, lost 32 pounds, put some more lean muscle on. And I was totally different. And for you, you were built kind of like me, I would say. We were both, you know, about 6'1", 6'2", 225, 230, maybe 240. For you, a little bit bigger than me. But after you broke your hand or maybe during that time or maybe the pressure for you to put on more weight as an offensive lineman, which I, I can attest to, I understand being an undersized offensive lineman. I, I did the same thing. Like, it was such a struggle for me to try to gain weight at Austin College. What was that like for you? To, can you explain for the listeners kind of what led to that drastic weight gain? Because when I came back, I was like, man, Albert looks a lot different than I remembered him, you know? And can you explain what led into all that? And just what, did it take a toll on your body? Was it a good experience? Was it a bad experience? I just want to, because I think a lot of people struggle with weight, you know, and our, and our listeners probably struggle with it. So tell us about that, that whole journey that you went on. Okay. Well, just like you said earlier, like, I mean, we were just, we we're just big human beings. Like I weighed a hundred pounds at seven years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, there's people that barely weigh over a hundred, you know what I mean? Like, you know, obviously talking about like women and stuff like that, but I'm just saying like, I was, oh, I mean, that's a seven year old kid. Yeah. You know, um, I was just always a big kid. I'm always a big eater. What I'm going to tell you what helped me the most is that I'm not a picky eater. So, I mean, honestly, even to this day, I like vegetables more than I like fruits. Like, I don't really like fruits that much. I mean, I have a, like three favorite ones, but I, I, I don't think I've met a vegetable I don't like. Good. But um, in regards to the weight gain, a little bit could be maybe slightly attributed to the broken hand a little bit. But most of it, um, man, I just want to really want to play college football. Yeah, that was I mean, that I mean, you're just in your head like, yep. hey you know everybody's like you got to get bigger you got to bigger and then um, my parents were not athletes so everybody they, they weren't like great athletes you know what i mean i mean right. they played sports but they weren't great athletes and so you know and they're also you know old school like no one knew how to gain weight properly obviously now nowadays everybody knows like what you need to do or at least have an idea what to do right right just eat wherever the hell's in your face you know what i mean just to get those calories in and um I was just eating everything. My parents used to joke that, you know, uh, you know, most of the groceries are for you and our mm -hmm. groceries are doubled since middle, you were in middle school and stuff. And honestly, you're going to laugh, but uh, you remember my ex-girlfriend, uh, Maggie Hilton? Yeah. <laughs> so her, her and her family helped attribute it to that weight gain because her parents were on board with it. So they always had these little snacks and uh, <laughs> uh, junior and senior year while we dated, um, I literally almost every day I had two dinners because wow. I would eat dinner with her family around yeah. five or six. And then I'd go home and my house and I don't know, seven or eight o'clock, we'd yeah. eat dinner and have another dinner. So that was a lot of what attributed to. Let, let's put that. this in perspective though. Right. So whenever you and I played our last snap together at that game at Clements, when you were a junior and I'm a senior, I figured you weighed like 235. Is that accurate? You weren't that probably, big. Yeah. 235 yeah yeah maybe and didn't you get when you what was your weight when you reported to fall camp as a senior fall camp I reported uh was around 265 okay so about 30 okay so in high school you put on about 30 30 35 pounds wait wait fall, wait wait fall, like wait, when you fall, when you were reported the beginning of football season for your senior year how much yeah did you, uh, yeah, around two, yeah, yeah uh -huh. okay so you still weren't because eventually you did, you got to 300 right yeah that was, was in college that, that that's that was 
that was so that so I got to 265, which I guess most people could say I held it fairly okay. You know, I mean, did did uh, you how much did you weigh when you graduated in the springtime? Were, were you still at 265 and then gained 40 more in college, or, or were you starting to gain? No, as, no, after- that's most. All my weight gain essentially happened that senior year. I got, uh, I guess the heaviest I saw on the scale was um, 290 yeah. is what I saw that summer before I left for college. Yeah, okay. And then, so in college, I didn't weigh myself because, you know, I never scale, but I definitely gained more weight during that time. But after football finished and you're no longer like in an intense workout environment, you, you really continued to gain the weight, right? Yeah so, like, yeah. so yeah 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 so that's the the weight gain was for lack of a word better word on purpose yeah as they're trying to get bigger stronger How faster do- might have subsided a little bit but um <laughs> you got to sacrifice something yeah how did that feel, that- did that feel albert to, i mean because that's a big to, to be a 235 pound man and then become a 300 pound man that's a big difference. Did you did you feel different, like in your joints or your your overall mood? Or I mean, I'm just curious. Like, or or did you were you able to kind of carry that weight pretty easily? Um, I'll tell you what. The cool. I'm gonna be positive and in the negative. The positive was, man, I was freaking strong. Yeah. So you were like, still slanging. You're still banging the weights. You you thought yeah. you were just eating bonbons yeah. all day. You, you just you were in the weight room. Yeah. I was still. Man, I remember I, I hit like. 275 on bench, close grip bench. Yeah. Rep to six. Nice. Uh, at one point, like I was strong. I, you know, my squats were strong. Like I, I, I was strong. Now the negatives are, is what you just brought up the joints. And that's actually when I did start losing the weight, when I got to about 250, when I started to drop was when I started to notice like some, you know, less pain in my joints and my lower back that's right around the weight i was at where i was like man i'm actually kind of like starting to notice it's starting to you know go away a little bit and you like subside um the actual pain you know and it really 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 didn't fully go away until probably about 2 30. and so you 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 eventually or initially you were recruited out of high school along with some of your teammates like jeff kappas and brian derringer you know, to go to Cisco junior college. Mark Pierce too. Yep. Yep. And Mark Pierce as well. So, and you accepted that. And yes. so did you play, I know you played at least one season, but did you play two seasons at Cisco? I played two. Yes, two and seasons. so was it, I guess you, you maintained your 300 pounds or so both years. And then after you, um, I'm, 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 or remind me when you finished the Cisco, you decided to go to Sam Houston state and just continue on as a student and a power lifter. So you still got yeah, your yeah. athletic competition, but no longer a football player. Was right. it at that time you left Cisco that you went from 300 to 260 or, or, or were you already starting to drop weight at Cisco? So, so I, so, so here's the deal. Like, even though I said we were big people and which we still are still for me to hold that 300, like that's not your normal. Yeah. It's not your natural weight. It, 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 as soon as we started those, doing those college football workouts, like naturally it started to drop. Right. Even though I was a lot, like I got, I think if I can remember correctly, end of my freshman year at cisco so that full year there i got down to about 275 yeah and probably maintained most of that through my second year at cisco i think i got down to about 260 at one point all the offensive linemen that are listening to this you know exactly we were big golden corral guys that was our hangout where us austin high school offensive linemen would go and those were the days man i wish because i'm also a big eater i love to eat 
I can't do it the same anymore. But those were the days, Albert, where like when you and I are both offensive linemen trying to gain weight, we could just eat whatever the hell we wanted <laughs> and just keep coming yeah, back for more. We didn't care. I remember Matt Early and I, we went to CC's and we had a uh, who can eat the most slight competition. You yep. know what I mean? Like, oh I mean, man, to be young and dumb again. I, I wish I could go back to those days sometimes and have that metabolism. Don't have that anymore. But, uh, but good stuff. So you, you go to Sam Houston. You, I know you love doing the powerlifting. You know, it's your good friend Brandon Struberg was there as well, another Austin Bulldog alum. And, you know, at that point, you, you still, you know, you want to coach. So can you kind of just walk us through, you know, after, or let me ask you this. Was it difficult when you decided, hey, I, I, I accomplished being a college football player, but at this time, I want to move on to the next phase of my life? Was that a difficult transition for you? Or was it kind of like liberating and exciting to kind of move on to something new? Honestly, I'm a football guy. Like, it was tough. And yeah. like I told you earlier, like, I just couldn't keep that weight on as an yep. offensive line. And like, it, 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 if I... If I could just, I'm, I'm, I'm just making an, an estimate. If I just stayed with a normal football diet, you know, where you're just, you know, you're still eating a lot, but you're not just an offensive lineman excessive eating like we were doing. Naturally, I'd probably say I'd be in like 230s, 240s. Yep. So it, it, it was just the toll on the body and just eating all that food. Like, it was just hard for me to keep that weight because I'm just, there, there's some human beings that are, can just hold 300 pounds like they can just do it just you know it just looks good on them they're not hating life like there is some and of course most of them do drop because you should no human being should weigh 300 pounds unless they're like seven five or something you know what i mean yeah but it was just a struggle so yeah like no one i mean i had nowhere to really play football when at, at that point i was around 250 no offensive lineman is gonna play ball anywhere around 250 any legit program so um uh, i just really wanted to I, at that point i was like you know what i'm worried about college but i still had that competitive fire and at that point uh struberg talked to a couple guys that were in powerlifting he started this powerlifting club which got pretty good and got pretty serious and um I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm down with that. I mean, you know me, I'm a weight room guru still to this day. I love the weight room. So I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. So, you know, Struberg and I did for the last few years that I was in college um, just to be competitive still. Yeah. So, but to, to answer your question, yeah, it, it was tough. It was tough. Uh, the powerlifting help, yes, was uh, a, a, a great uh, replacer of football. No. But at least I still had a competitive fire and something to look forward to competitively. Albert, I can relate to exactly what you feel. And I think we probably talked about this at the time, but we haven't talked about this recently. But you know my progression. As a junior, I was six foot one, 195 pounds. Yeah. 195 playing 6A football, you know, for, you know, at Clark. And that, yeah. was a, that was the day, though, whenever I remember we used to have a, a knockdowns chart. And it's not really like oh, pancakes. Yeah. Not really. I couldn't really. I didn't get a lot of pancakes on people, but I would cut the shit out of people. I, I was dirty too. I'd like track them down and come from the side. It was bad, just because I wanted to always lead the knockdown chart. And I was so good at like you were saying, like get to the linebackers, cut their legs out from under them. You know, cut a three technique. You know, I was, I love doing that. But you know, so I went from one ninety five as a junior to about two twenty five as a senior. I get to Austin College. I'm playing defensive end because I always, again, just right. like you were saying, I'm think in my head. Even though I was a first-team all-district offensive lineman under the tutelage of Coach Kidderman, I was a pretty good offensive lineman. He taught me the right way. But I was like, I'm not good. I'm not big enough. So I asked the coaches at Austin College, let me play DN. 
So I do that for two years. I'm, I'm second team defensive end. I'm, I feel like kind of a fish out of water. I enjoyed it. And it was good for as a coaching side to learn playing defense at a high level for the first time. But I got up to about 230 as a defensive end. Mm-hmm. But at my junior year, they asked me, you know, Q, would, would you come play offensive tackle for us? Best decision. And I said, yes. I was like, I just want to help the team. You know, I've always been kind of a team player. I want to help the team. And I, I moved to right tackle, have my best year. I got to 240. That's the biggest I could ever get. 240 was my maximum. I tried. Two, six foot one, 240. But it was so hard to keep the weight, just like you were describing. So senior year. Yeah. Eater. yeah. Senior year, I start letting outside noise. Like you were saying, like, I'm too small. I'm not good. Even though I played good. I, had a, I really had a good season my junior year. I could have done it for one more year and helped the team. But I got, I let the outside and of what defined who I was fresh and I was having trouble keeping weight that was true and so I, I kept trying to move to tight end I got this feeling of you know all of us offense linemen we want to be tight ends we want to be tight ends we want we want that feeling of getting the ball we all think we're faster than we probably really are and better hands than we really do but I wanted to do that and so I I really asked pressured coach you know to, to, to make that transition and I changed my body and worked on speed you know my best friends a quarterback so I did a lot of you know catching in the summer and I, I changed my body and I got faster and I was, you know, but the problem was there's no tight end in our offense. It never happened. It's our style mm-hmm. of offense did not use a tight end. So I became a man without a position. I'd lost too much weight to go back to O-line or even to defensive end, you know, and I ended up playing like a wingback position. And I was a pitch man on option, which is just, it's so crazy to think less than one year before that I was a starting right tackle. And now I'm like catching a pitch. It was just so crazy. And Honestly, I'm, I'm kind of proud of myself. Like I made it to second team. So I I can't even believe I made it that far because I I have such a big change, but looking back on it, that's one of my biggest regrets. And this is called team player podcast. Everyone who knew me my entire career, and you'd probably say the same. I was the ultimate team player until I wasn't. And that was my senior year, which really kind of stings. It just, I went all this journey of being just the coach's dream. And then I let the outside noise and outside expectations change and cloud who I was. And I, I could help the team. I could play offensive line. I guess that's my question. Now that you coach offensive linemen and I've seen your team, you, you don't, you didn't have the biggest offensive lineman at made Creek, the game that I did. You coached a lot of guys that look like me and you, what do you, t- what would you tell kids now that maybe yes, they're too quote unquote small to be your normal offensive lineman, but they're good at it. They listen to their coaching. They're tough. They're strong. They're aggressive. What would you, what do you say to kids like you and me that always in our heads, we think we're too small to play offensive line, but we're getting it done you know, we always want to switch positions to tight end or something else. Like, what do you tell those kids? I'm just curious. You, you, you are their coach. Now, what are you telling them? Uh, it's a true story. Cause I, I swear to be a practice or two where I have a kid, Hey coach, Kev, we'll go for a pass, you know, stuff like that. And <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I just joke with them. I was like, I, I was like, cause you can't catch, you know what I mean? Like I just joke with them and stuff like, and so, but once again, I have a great relationship with them. So I make fun of them. They make fun of me. I don't care. You know what I mean? Sometimes I call them fat and they're, they'll laugh it off because they're like, you used to be fat. And I'm like, I know that's, I'm still a fat guy. You know, like we joke yeah. with and stuff like that. In regards of like them being too small or anything like that, just from what I've experienced with these particular boys, like, of course, I'm only going off of May Creek boys. I don't know yeah. other schools that may be different that could be maybe undersized. Honestly, I haven't, really ex- i think they're a little bit more like us about it and don't really let it bother them to be honest with you right. which is a good that they they do they i mean i'm gonna tell you right now there's probably about yeah i would say 
two of them last year are really, really undersized. Like, really, really undersized. You know I mean? We're not huge, but really, really undersized. And those two have done the two things that you and I would have done. Gain the weight. Yeah. And always in the weight room. Yeah. And so, unless they come and talk to me about, like, hey, coach, like, all is all the noise, they haven't really done it because they're kind of already doing what, what I would tell them to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think the real, the real helping them out will be from the coaches themselves. And they don't really realize it, like change up the scheme to where they're more an advantage to taking blocking techniques that makes them a little bit easier for them. Can we can't just manhandle somebody up front. Um, so that's kind of more the aspect that we take of that approach is just blocking that makes them more successful and they just keep doing their part with getting bigger, stronger, faster, and other stuff. So, um, no one's like I said, no one's really ever said anything to to us. Like we brought it up to them, like, hey, you are undersized, but you've got to be strong as possible. You've got to love the weight room. You've got to get your extra work in and stuff like that. You know, but in in a in a positive construction, not like, hey, what are you doing? You know, like get your butt in there. You know. So I haven't really had that much of a conversation with them about in regards to the negative aspect because I think they're already doing it, which. You know, linemen, dude. Like that's what I love—the offensive line, dude. They yeah. just, they just do it. They don't complain. You know what I mean? I, oh man, I just, I just, I mean, I love defense. Defense coordinator is awesome. I would love to be a DC again, whatever. But man, kids-wise, man, I love the linemen, dude. Yeah, we're just—they're the best. We're just animals. <laughs> you know? I just, I just, yeah. They just don't complain, or hardly, or hardly complain. I'm not gonna say I've never complained, or <laughs> they've never complained, yeah. but they but- hardly complain awesome so you finish up at, at sam houston you knew you, you already knew you wanted to coach and let's get the timeline straight did you did you go somewhere else before austin or did you start immediately at your alma mater in austin and out of all my guests you're the 60th guest only about 20 percent of my guests have been able to coach their alma mater you've been able to do it but where, where did you start where, where did you go first so, that was my first coaching spot austin high school my first teaching spot was Technically, well, okay, so I was a para for a semester at Travis High School. Okay, yep. That was my first introduction to getting an education because I graduated in December. So there wasn't really a teacher job. So I was a para for a year. Then my first teaching job was at Morton Ranch, where actually where I was doing uh, in-school suspension. Okay. Which yep. was job and i can thank coach ryan lava for that nice yep um the principal there actually called him because he knew that he saw my resume so i was fourth in austin and played football so he actually called him up said what kind what do you know about this kid he's like he's a great kid you know yeah and all those stuff so i I thank coach lava for that so i was there for a year but during that time because we graduated a horrible time during the whole recession they actually cut um teachers that year Mm mm-hmm and I um, was the first, last one, one of the last ones in. So you're yep. the first one. Sure. So I actually riffed um, that year. So I was trying to decide what to do. So I just found a job there in summer at CBON selling brand, broadband stuff. And yeah. I hated it. Yeah. But at that time, I actually already knew Coach Schreiber at Fort Bend Austin because in the previous year before that, I actually were coaching Fort Bend Austin 7 on 17. Since I was on the staff, I could coach a seven on seven team, yep. which I did. 
And so I already knew Coach Schreiber, and he liked me, my personality, all this other stuff, you know, young, energetic, you know. And um, he's like, hey, man, like, you know, if I find a spot, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get you. And so um, so I was working at CBON, you know, still trying to find a job. I actually got – Schreiber got a hold of me, called me, said, hey, you know, we could potentially have a job available, all this other stuff. Well, remember Coach Evans at the time? Yeah. Uh, yes. He's he trying uh, to less. My favorite thing I, about Coach Evans is quick Evans story. Uh, I love uh, how he would just jam Christian music in summers. You know, he oh, has yeah. like Christian rock just blaring in the weight room. Yeah, I definitely remember Coach Evans. Uh, 100%. But as Coach Evans at the time, I guess, I don't know his situation, but I guess just trying to kind of, I guess, close to retirement, wanted to like yeah. a little bit less workload. Well, middle school job opened at Garcia. I think it was Garcia. And it was, this is like, I'm telling you, this is like freaking end of July when this thing opened and Evans, Coach Evans really wanted that job. And I'm leaving there. Coach Schreiber called me. He's like, hey, you're my first round draft pick. Do you want the job at Fort Bend Austin? I'm like, yes, sir. Because I, I, you know, this is what I want, always want to do. I hate selling because I can't sell. I get frustrated. That, that's a tough job. Yeah, that, that's tough. Yeah. Selling like that, yeah. Okay. But my wife can do that. But um, so, yeah, so. Fort Ben Austin, Coach Daniel Schreiber called me, and Coach Derringer was already there, which also helped the tie-in with him. And which, if you guys don't know, that was an also a uh, Fort Ben Austin teammate of ours. Um, and we coached together there at Fort Ben Austin, which he's the reason why I'm at May Creek as well now. So yeah, my first time was at Fort Ben Austin. Uh, that's how yeah. my story. When when I was in college, I, I just I loved Austin High School so much, and every time I'd come back from break, like I I, I remember going watch your game against Alvin the one week that I had off, you know. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yep. and um, I'd always be there at the field house and stuff, and I always thought I was going to coach at Fort Ben Austin. That, yeah. that was like my own. That's what I thought the only option would be. I I didn't think of anywhere else. You know, I wanted to go back home, and at the time, it, like you said, it just I, Coach Stewart said, "I'm sorry, Kobe, we we don't have any openings for you." And I actually taught at Clearbrook first. I just like you, I, I finished. I finished in the the end of semester, team. you know. So I, yep, started as a Wolverine in January, and then did not actually coach, which was probably a good thing because I had my hands full just trying to learn how to be a teacher at that year. But, um, and it almost worked out better for me because that period, there was a period where Austin High School really hit a very dramatic low. And I don't, I know it was like kind of more like when my brother was in high school, I think they had like an Owen 10 team, like maybe when coach Stewart's kind of like last year or so before coach Schreiber came. And so I, I guess for my career, it almost was a blessing. I hate to hate to say it like that, because Austin, we, we were, we weren't winning at that time. Right. And I ended up going to Clements, which that was a, the glory days of Clements where they had, a, you know, we had some, Derek Carr. Yeah. The arch rival. We went to the regional final and lost to Katie, but that helped accelerate my career. What's I remember that? that yeah, I yeah, right, you know. You after the game. Yeah, I remember that game. Yep. And so it worked out good for me. But I'm just curious for you, you know, being at Austin and, and you got there, I guess you, you were there kind of after it hit hit rock bottom. And then you guys yeah. actually went to the playoffs, right? I think maybe the only playoff uh, appearance for Austin for, high school. It's ever since like nine. I know the two thousand team with Devon and Devard made it, but it's yeah. been a long playoff absence and you guys did it. You had a running back who went to Cal and had a great team. So lots of questions. When what, first of all, what was it just, what was it like being at your old school? Was it, had enough time passed where it really wasn't a thing or did you still have like a bunch of teachers you knew and, or, and know some of the kids or I'm just curious, what was that like teaching at your alma mater? Well, I didn't know any of the kids, yeah. but, um, 
yeah, there was literally a lot of teachers that were still there, and yeah. it was kind of weird. Um, I had Mr. Caramano was one of my history teachers. Uh, uh, Mr. Walling was my physics teacher in high school. Um, yeah, there's a lot of teachers, and of course, of course, some of the coaches there, you know, Coach Russell and stuff like that. But, but teachers wise, it was is it was a little bit different deal than a coaches because you know with the coaches you're a little bit uh, more of a relationship with them, so you already kind of have an idea. And with Coach Russell, his daughter played softball with 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 my sister, so I kind of knew him a little bit outside of school too with that as well. Um, but it, it was it was it was different, like. You know, uh, once again, bring up this naive thing in high school, which is, I think, is a very good point for high school kids to still acknowledge that, hey, you guys are still naive in a, in, a, in, in some facet. But, um, like, their teachers are humans, too, man. They're adults, yeah. too. Like, they'll say some jokes that you're like, oh, wait, I'm an adult now. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you guys are doing these jokes. You know, when high school, they weren't therapy professionals you know what i mean so that was one of the big things like it took you know just like oh but they're they're adults too they they like have a good time too they're still human they like life you know and um that 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 was different um where that was coaches wise going to coaching school with some of those coaches was a little bit different as well yeah. uh considering they 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 coached me as well and you know you kind of let your hair down a little bit for yeah. lack of a better word um but it, it was it, it was different uh one thing i'm gonna tell you about too is like that there's some of these uh uh offices or some of these rooms that you never walked into because it's strictly for teachers right yeah well, walk in these rooms now so i'm like oh hey that's what that was <laughs> I'm like, that's cool that was kind of a, it was like a secret door or secret room that I, you didn't really know about and i got to literally go through every room and- in uh in that school what and I'm just trying to get my timeline straight. What year did you start at Austin High School? It was 2000. Hold on, let me do my math. I'm I'm, I'm more of a I'm more of a weightlifter than a math guy. Um, I is 2000. Oh, boom, 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 math. Around 2010, 2011. There we go. So you coached against my brother then. You do you remember playing against my brother at Travis? Yes. Okay. Yes. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. You're right. I did. Uh-huh. So you were there for kind of some really down years at the very beginning so, so 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 your brother's last year i believe would have been uh the he graduated 2012 so the 2011 football season yeah okay so then so it's 2011 2012 because it's my first year was your last year with your uh was your brother's last year okay um that second so 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 what made us bad that first year was that we were still young yeah like remember like we were literally a ju- uh, a junior so Trevor uh Trevor Michael Bust, our yeah. starting Mike linebacker, who by the way is probably the best linebacker I've still yet to see. Yeah. Uh he was good. Been, oh, <laughs> yes. Was a sophomore. Yeah. At the time. Uh the 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 cow running back you talked about, uh Vic and Weary. Vic and Weary, that's it. Yep. He, he's a sophomore. Bryson Oglesby, that played at uh uh Fresno, was a freshman at the time, at that year, first year. So those guys were all good athletes. They just got older. And that's what turned the year around. So is that what, if, what you felt like is just kind of um, – as far my question as far as as a coach, how, how did you turn it around? Was it just as simple as better players came and, they you know, they, they developed? Or did you have to 
what was that process like? I imagine you, I think you guys were like 0 and 10, maybe. Or, yeah. Or it's like that. And how, how did it, you go from that to making the playoffs? Like, it's hard to say because I, I don't know the ins and outs when Coach Stewart was there because I didn't coach with him. You know, I can just go off with Coach Schreiber. But just like kind of the X's and O's, kind of like what we do now, just like I was talking about getting our kids that we know their abilities and how to get them into the right spot, how to make them better. Um, I mean, we all know in, in, in sports, like sometimes it's just at the end of the day, you just got some really good athletes. I mean, Vic and Weary. Yeah, absolutely. That helps. Vic and Weary <laughs> is like literally our size playing running back. Yeah. Michael literally our size playing linebacker, you know. Um, and actually, you're going to laugh when I tell you this. So we already knew where Michael Buss is going to play, right? He's, you know, he's just going to be there. Oh, and Josh Rahman, another great linebacker. He was good, Mike, too. Yep. Best linebacker I've ever seen coach was also a junior so those that that those years like they were only juniors and sophomores so they got you know ramen was now a senior the first year we made the playoffs and then now michael bus was a junior and also at that time vic and weary his sophomore year was not a running back we didn't know where to put him yeah. he never played he was actually playing outside linebacker slash safety for us and so one time, Co- Coach Schreiber was like, hey, and, you know, I think Darren, all of us kind of talked, hey, it's been a running back. And he played the very last game that year at running back, and he was just running people over, making moves and stuff. We're like, all right, this guy's going to play a little bit of running back. So sure enough, his junior year, he plays running back, and the rest kind of goes. We just kind of put the right guys where they needed to be. We had some good-looking athletes. Our X and the O's were in the right spots. Our coaches were working our butts off, and, I mean, I just sometimes everything just works out perfectly, you know. And of course, after a couple of years, so my my second year there, we made the playoffs, got knocked out the first round, and then of course our second year, we're in the playoffs again, further get knocked out in the third round against Pearland High School. So that and, was the history that you you guys won a playoff game that had never been done in Austin High School history. Yep, yep, that year. Yep, beating uh, Clear Springs. That's a really impressive win. Yep. And then, uh, of course, everybody was seniors at that point then. And then, of course, we dropped down quite a bit after that. And after then, Fort Ben Austin couldn't really get it back. It just, you know, we're limited uh, at that time. And it's just the same. The pretty much, and now I know I left, but I mean, it's, for the most part, the same staff was still there. You know, Burlingame was a DC, you know, Bourne and, uh, and Derringer were doing the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you know, so a lot of it was still the same people. It was just, just couldn't get the same uh, match with athletes and stuff like that. Albert, I mean, you know that I can relate to this because, I mean, we had all the success at Ridgepoint, and then the next chapter is you and I go to Aldine together, and we just couldn't replicate it. You know, we just obviously, you know, we, we did with the wins and losses, we couldn't replicate, um, even though we're doing the same things. But I remember one of the things that really attracted me about you. Of course, I knew you. I knew I could trust you. I knew you loved the weight room, which I knew would be so important, you know, for any good program. <laughs> but I really like that, you you know, you learned under Dan Schreiber, who was a part of those Katy High School teams. He's part of that 1997 state championship team. And so you, you kind of learn that Katie style of three, four. So I was just so excited to kind of pick your brain and see, see how Katie did it. Cause at Ridgepoint, we were in a three, four, there's a little bit different style than Katie. It had, you know, a little bit of stuff, maybe more based like on like a Stratford uh, three, four defense, but it was just really, yep. It was cool picking your brain and learning all that. And I mean, obviously at Aldine, my career record is two and 18. 
you know, you were able to stay several years, you know, after I moved on with coach Semler, you know, mm. and, and continue to continue to do some great things. And you had one year, man, you guys were so close to winning several games. You know, I think maybe a year or two after I'd left when, when Ja'Cory Howard had become a senior and that yeah. was a good class. But my question is, um, I asked coach Shao the same question, all those wins at Ridgepoint and all those, the playoff game you won at Austin, you think for both of us, to me, one of the most impressive victories, and I don't want to speak for you, but at least for me, my proudest win that we ever had was at actually at Aldean High School. And it was the time that we beat Nimitz. And the reason I say this is we were a two and eight football team and Nimitz made the playoffs. You do not see that very often. We're a team that comes into a game with only one win. Our only win was against Northbrook, which, you know, it, it was at the bottom of the district at the time. Yeah. We huh. came in there and we, we stole a win. And it was one of those things where, like, we did all the things you need to upset. First of all, it was raining. It was raining heavily, which cold. I always think helps. Helps in our dog cold. They fumbled it a ton. We didn't. They had a ton of penalties. We we didn't. And our star safety, Andrew Davis, had to make an interception in the end zone when they were about to score and take the lead and win mm -hmm. in the final minute. Mm -hmm. So just I'm curious your memories of that game, man. I, I shared my memories. Shao kind of said some of his memories. Your memories there. And one of the greatest upsets ever for Aldean High School to defeat a playoff team. What are your memories from that game? Well, other than the weather you just brought up, I remember yeah. that. Um, <laughs> um, as a new DC, um, <laughs> I, I just remembered that I, it just, like, all the pieces, like, I, I think you kind of said it, just like all the pieces landed perfectly. Yeah. You know, they, yep. they did. They didn't play well, or on first time, they made the mistakes. They made more, more mistakes than us. Absolutely, we capitalized. Yes, for sure. We're, we're, and we and yes, we took advantage of. Um, and it was the. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna tell you what I, I remember. I'm gonna go back to the Drew Davis interception. Okay. Yeah. And I remember I I I I said this to him and the defense later on, like, like he was he technically was in the wrong spot. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> play. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and I kind of told them, like, sometimes, like, plays are meant to be a certain way, but sometimes you just have to make a play. Yeah. And yeah. I remember, and, and it reminds me of one time Vic and Weary does, we were, uh, I forget which game it was, but we're, like, all, he was running down the sideline, saw a bunch of, people like it was like four guys in front of him he literally runs backwards like and we're all like, i remember we're all in the headsets like what is he doing like what the and so like for some reason the all the defenders vacated the other way and he just runs back to the same spot and scores a touchdown you know what i mean and, and sometimes as as an athlete and it's not just football it's just an athlete like sometimes you just gotta make a play yeah and yeah. i think that that moment drew davis just made a play you know what i mean and yeah. i just keep it in my head like it's just like as a dc like it a play that worked out for us was not designed the way that we wanted to be played and i think that's what makes it hard as a coach because you work your butt off to do these things a certain way and it doesn't always work out did they do it that way but it did work out you know what i mean so it's like yeah. oh frustrating because you don't want to look like an idiot but at the same times, hey, I will never take that play back. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, man. And you know, for me, we, we we talk about this on the show a lot. That was my experience being an athletic coordinator. I personally didn't like it, to be honest with you. 
Yeah. I didn't like the job responsibility of kind of more the manage. Coach. I remember that. I'm more of, I like coaching the kid. I like coaching inside linebackers, <laughs> you know, and I, yeah. so much more of my job was now working with adults. You know, there, there's some great ones there at all in high school that yeah. I you know, love to this day, but it just was a different role. And I think that's something to really think about whenever there's just some people that are cut out for that. I think sometimes I think like, man, if I go back knowing what I know now and just being older, I kind of would like that challenge in some ways, but at the same time, I think my, my happiest place is being the defensive coordinator at Ridge Point, coaching inside linebackers and things of that nature. But you were so pivotal, man, in, in helping, you know, the success that we did have, having you and Shao right. there, which you, we always talked about this a lot. You guys were very different personalities, which actually was a good thing for me. I like the diversity. Yeah, total opposites, honestly. And that was honestly a really good thing to have that diversity where I'm getting opposing viewpoints. Almost every time, if I asked a question, I, you and Shao would disagree. Him and I. <laughs> Which is great, you know, and it, it just was so funny. It's like, what do you want to eat? I'll, I'll eat a pizza. I'll eat a burger. Like it's almost like every single thing you guys went different ways. But in all seriousness, that was great. That's exactly what I needed. And you know, you you were instrumental, man. You you really were. All you guys were. It was such a great time. You stayed at Aldi in a couple of years after that. You know, after I left, you did some more great things with Coach Semler. And I see that you still, you know, you you root for the Mustangs. I saw you at the girls' basketball playoff game. The other day, you know, with your friend Coach Durden and, and cheering on the Mustangs there. So I just I thought that was really cool. But there comes a point in all of our in all of our professional careers where it is time for another change. And right. you decided to go to a place that I'm actually now we, we talked about this recently. I'm actually moving to Katy. And so yeah. now I'm going to learn more about this 196A in this district that you're in because you're a member there with the Maid Creek Rams. Let's talk about what was it that attracted you? And I know you kind of mentioned, you know, your good friend Brian Derringer, but what led to you? deciding to go to kind of like a new district i know you, you uh i guess you you're not really familiar with, with katie before this point you, you never really had worked in the district or anything like that so you had a well, friend working there i was actually at morton ranch that's right you said morton ranch I, excuse me so yeah. you you did you you did get some ranch right coach. so you kind of knew a little bit about the district obviously katie has a really good reputation and so right. what was it like like how did you how did you settle on the job? And once you got there, was was KDISD everything that you, you thought that it was? And, and we've heard all these good things about. Um, so I guess the more the bigger factor was because of Derringer calling me. Yeah, we worked so well for Ben Austin and we kind of, you know, in a way, kind of replicate that a little bit. I So when I was at Fort Ben Austin, I did coach O-line for uh, two years there before they moved to the defense. Um, so I did work with Derringer for a couple of years there and, uh, I get to kind of work with him there too, as well. I needed a change from Aldine was there for six years. It was, you know, to be honest, it's a little bit frustrating in some aspects. I'm, I'm not saying like I regret it by any means. I yeah. love the kid. I, I mean, you just said coach Durden, I went to go see her. So like I built relationships, uh, adults wise over there as well with the coaches and stuff. So, you know, I just, I just need a change. I need something else. And, you know, this is KDISD. Um, I, I'll i tell you, the biggest change athletically, man, there's some athletes out there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm looking at some of our kids at May Creek, and we don't we didn't have any athletes out there that could be comparable except for Ja'Cory Howard. Um, and, like, we're still, we were still 2-8 and eight last year. That's like, a, that's the question I wanted to ask you, man, because and this happens to you guys quite often where it's like you, you have a nice non-district record. Like you, you won your first two games. You come out non-district, you're 2-0. and oh, You didn't win another game. You, you, went, you went winless. 
in 196A. That's something that we've experienced at Aldine. So unfortunately in your career, yes, you've had some good moments, but you've you've had a lot of bad seasons in terms of like yep. looking at records with less yep. than three wins. We did it as players. We were always three and seven at Austin. It's, you know, and so I like to talk about that. We, we can all talk about the good times. And we know that like a lot of times when we have the good times, we have really good players. <laughs> and that's as yeah. simple. But I think for coaches that listen, to me, the more valuable thing for a coach that's listening is, what about the tough times? What do I do to become a better coach whenever things aren't going great? We're going two and eight, one and nine, oh and 10. You've had experience in that, man. Let's talk about that. Let's dig into it. What have you learned over the years from experiences at Aldine or even the beginning of your Austin experience or towards the end of your Austin experience or some of your Maid Creek? What what do you what what do you do to fight through that? And especially at Maid Creek, you guys are a pretty good football team. You just play in a really hard district, you know? So what what do you do to, to keep getting better as a squad whenever the results aren't results aren't going your way? Well, I guess in regards to actual football, um Man, just like I said earlier, just getting what we have athletically, kids-wise, and how to get them in the right spots to make them more successful. And it's tough because we can only control so much with that aspect. Because at the end of the day, I always tell my kids the, you know, there's three words I always use. Uh, uh, you know, like it's it's your execution, it's your alignment, your assignment, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just the usual stuff. And you know, usually alignment assignment, that's most of us helping them with that. And in execution at the end of the day, you got to ex- execute what you do. Like, I can't literally go out there and do it for you. But um, just get them to the right spot. And one thing I've learned a lot is if the kid, like, I to simplify some things. If a kid knows what he is doing, he plays faster and stronger. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he's having second guess or think too much, it slows him down just enough to where now he's either not full speed or not getting there quick enough or not being physical enough just because he's thinking, what do I do here? So we try to simplify it to where you almost like it's not even having to think anymore. It's second nature. So I'm huge also on reps, 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 to where it's like literally muscle memory. You know what you're doing. Boom, go do it. Um, that's one part that we always constantly have to do. But I feel like as a coach, you should be doing that in general. Because even if you're a good team, you want to win everything. And at the end of the day, those really good teams win because also, not because they're just all good athletes, because they know yeah. what they're doing. They're ones that win yes. state, you know, everything like that. And um, I guess, but the hardest thing for me is how to keep the kids' heads up when the things start getting too low. There's a certain point when you're like, okay, we're not going to make the playoffs. Right. Or in a game, we're playing Katie, and it's like, guys, this they've got this game. We could probably score a couple of touchdowns. So you got to put it in ways that keep them motivated, keep them up, you know, saying stuff like, hey, let's go score two touchdowns. Let's make that our goal. You know, at the end of the day, let's make a goal. Let's get this goal, blah, blah, blah. Two touchdowns, money, we're better. We, did we still lose the game? Yes. But instead of being... 42 to nothing is 42 to 21. That's a more respectable game. Let's, let's try to get it as is. Um, some kids, and the hardest part is just like teaching in general. Kids react differently. You know, I got one kid that put his head down and almost like be done. I got another kid that's super frustrated and wants to throw everything. I got another kid that's just 
he tries to joke it off and laugh about it, which is not the right thing to do because yeah. it, it starts with yeah. the other kid. Yeah. So how do I how do I get all three different types or four or five, whatever different types of ways these kids are reacting, how do I get them to be motivated and not give up? And usually we pull them in all together, calm down, breathe, collect your thoughts, now let's talk. And usually do it, it's better to do it in a group setting because um, at the end of the day, we can kind of all work together in whole to get a, a main goal out of it. So that's the kind of the frustrating part. But like you said, we have a decent team. We have some decent athletes. <clears throat> we just, you know, like I, I, I'm gonna tell you what one of my biggest differences I've experienced from with seeing May Creek and Aldean versus like Fort Bend Austin. Okay, the biggest differences I've seen for the most part, and I've seen it from every venue, and then we were successful at Fort Bend Austin, and also not successful at Fort Bend Austin is not just the the caliber of the kids. But it's like our depth. Right. Because you're getting a kid's going to get injured. You have to have another kid rolling. Yeah. And do you have the depth? Do we have the numbers? At Alding, that's the biggest factor. Sure. We didn't have a huge number of varsity team. So we're over here having to scrounge around for people when we're only too deep. You know? Yeah. The good years were good at Austin, man. Like, there's probably three guys on the offensive line that I'd be like, if someone gets injured, you're in, you're good. Money's go. You I used to think I mean? that all the time at Ridgepoint, Albert. I was like, man, my backup safety or these backup linebacker, like they would start at most of the other school, schools in this district. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was just such a blessing to have that guys that could really play. But, you know, one thing I've noticed, I think earlier in my career, whenever we go scout and we'd see a team that was two and eight or one and nine and, you know, you see the players really struggling on the field. I, I, I got to raise my hand. I was guilty of so many times of assuming like what's going on there. Like, why, why so bad? Like, I just assume that this is, it's a lack of preparation and things of that nature. But what I've learned is some of the best coaches we have in the city are going two and eight and one and nine, even zero and 10. I mean, I've just seen so many good ones. So, several that I've had on my show, like Andres Gomez at Northbrook is phenomenal. Uh, Cyril Ojeda, you know, at our all yep. Mustang. Yep. I think he is a great coach, man. I was, I called one of his, yep. yep. Called one of his games this year. They, again, not a, not, not a great <laughs> season on the win loss, but I'm watching and they're like, they're, they got, you know, different personnel groupings and like the, the kids know what they're doing. It goes, you talk about knowing what they're doing. The kids all know what they're doing. Just at this moment in time, they're not able to execute it yet. You know? So that's all, you know, I totally agree with you, man. So that's one thing I say to coaches don't sleep on these programs that aren't winning. And I think whenever we, we have like, you know, uh, clinics and things of that nature, I don't think it should always just be the championship winning coaches. Oh, I, I agree. You, you can feature some of these coaches that are, that are have losing records. Cause I learned that at Alding when I started networking and talking to guys like Dave Handel. Remember at Galena Park, I'd go talk to him yeah. when, when they were struggling. And now he's the head coach of Tomball, and they had a great season, you know? So anyway, that, that's what I want to share. Last thing about you, man, you've just always loved the weight room. That's the thing. You and I, we have so many great times, man. We just love, we both love to lift. Uh, me less now, I'm, I'm turning into a runner. You still, you're still swole. You hit 405 on squat the other day. So kudos yeah. to you, man. Those days are, those days are gone for me. But, uh, you know, I thought you did a great job. I always, one thing I liked at Aldine, like while I was there and even after I left, I'd go watch some of your tournaments. I love how you got the powerlifting going and it makes me really oh, proud 
to see that coach uh, Aislinn Garza, you know, now mm-hmm. it's really cool. She's a trailblazer in her own right as one of the few uh, female strength conditioning coaches. She's now leading that program that, that you, you know, were so instrumental in starting and the kids are doing great. I think they had a state qualifier this year who, who did awesome. So yeah, they're at the Bay Cre- they were at ours at May Creek. Very cool. So that's kind of cool yeah. that it comes full circle. Hopefully you and coach Garza got to chat a little bit, but oh, yeah, 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 we've met a couple of times. Yeah, for sure. It, just last thing I want to just about the, the strength training portion. Uh, okay. I'm curious for you. Can, can you speak to that a little bit? Cause I know you've always made it a priority in your coaching. How important is it? Like, sometimes let me ask you this. When I hear parents like, or I hear like some kind of, sometimes like certain select teams or certain trainers or kind of try to tell kids, Oh, you don't need the weight. You don't want to mess up your swing or your jump shot or things like that. Like, I kind of disagree with that. I'm in the camp that like weightlifting is always good. Like I look at pro basketball players, pro baseball players, they're, they're huge. <laughs> they're, they're ripped. They're swole, you know? So yeah. I think muscle's always good, but can you speak to that? What, what do you think the value of, of weightlifting is for any athlete? Man, I could go on this forever. So I'm going to try to do it. Sure. In, yeah. Uh, abbreviated version. <laughs> Park notes, yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, you're an athlete, right? You're moving your body, right? Um, you always want to put your body in a position that is uncomfortable, for lack of a better word, to make it better. The weights do that. So does running. So does stretching. And that's why I think it's really weird that all these coach, like science shows for the past 30 years that weightlifting is beneficial to everything. Whether you're a tennis player, whether you're a football player, whether you're a swimmer. Now, is there, is there, um, what's the word, uh, specificity for workouts for your sport? Yeah. Okay. Like, there's some movements that soccer is going to not, is going to do that football won't do and vice versa. Now, are most of the workouts they do should be the same? Yes. But they might do a little bit extra on something else than what we do. The only sport that I can honestly say can have a different workout would have to be long-distance stuff like cross-country. Sure. Because now you're working on a different muscle system. You're not working on ATP. You're not working on anaerobic glycolysis. You're working on aerobic. Weights don't necessarily help out the aerobic. Now, do I think they should lift weights? 110%. But they may not as be as uh, part of the regimen. Different style. As, yeah, I totally get uh, you. Uh, as, as most of the other sports, the most of the other sports are explosive movements, quick movements, strength, power, all that stuff. And I think that's really weird when someone says like, um, you know, like it's not beneficial. Like, for example, I think it's so embed, uh, like ingrained in people's brains from these people that don't know the science aspect like a lot of kids when they see me and i run a sprint like coach her that fast dude uh, and or i'm like yeah because i train everything just because i got muscles doesn't make me slow or the other day i show the kids i can do the splits they're like coach you can do splits i'm like yeah i do everything just because you have muscles does not limit you it doesn't affect your shot now would i say lift on the same day as a basketball game no right but you're in season. You can still lift weights. Get two or three days in. I'm not saying lift every day. You know what I mean? And I think it's just always weird when these people talk about that. Like, like uh, one kid told me, like, LeBron James, he's pretty muscle-bound. Yeah. And there were 
response would be like, he's a freak. Yes, but he also lifts weights. You yeah. can lift weights. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally with you and on that. Arguably one of the best basketball players ever. He lifts weights. And at the end of the day, not all of us are just naturally gifted just to go out there and play a sport and be great at it. 95% of us need to work and get stronger and get faster to make yourself better. Because weightlifting also brings more confidence, makes you stronger, makes you faster, like I said earlier, and it makes you more explosive, which helps every single aspect of a sport. Couldn't agree more, man. Now, hey, last question on Katie, because like I said, I'm moving out there, and we're gonna be moving to Kane Island. You should move there. You should live move near uh, near me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. move to Maid Creek or move out to uh, Tascosito, where you're at. Tascosito, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, but we're gonna be moving out there to Kane Island. So I mean, I'll be drinking the red Kool Aid soon. I mean, we're definitely we're definitely in the Katie zone. So my, you know, my son Bo, this is our dream house. So we don't plan on going anywhere. This is gonna be it. You know, and so Bo will be a Katie Tiger someday, whether he decides to play sports. I hope he does. But, if, you know, if he doesn't, that's fine. I'll still love him. But, you know, if he if he I'm just curious about Katie. You've gotten to see them up close and personal now. It's something that I've only coached against once in my career. But how are they so good? Because they just it surprises me that with how much growth is happening, in Katie, I see what you've seen it. You guys have a huge district, what, like nine teams now? usually what happens and you see this in Fort Bend a lot, whenever new schools open, eventually it kind of waters down everything. And right. so when a new school opens that the old school in that area gets worse, you know, Pato opens and goes to a state championship. And yet Katie is still going to the state semifinals. How do they do it? I always ask this question to people that have played against the Katie Tigers up close, like my good friends at seven lakes, you know, Jimmy Hammond and all them. How does Katie, like, what are they doing? Are they doing something different or is it like, can you explain it? So you've kind of, you've, you've seen it up close and personal. What, what are they doing? I asked coach Shaw this because he coached at Katie Taylor for a long time. What yeah. is the Katie Tigers do to be good for so such sustained success? Well, I, I don't know the complete ins and outs because obviously I'm not there, but I'm going to sure. tell you two that I've kind of noticed with, uh, with them. Um, the culture, the drinking, the red Kool-Aid mm -hmm. that you said earlier. I think that's a big factor when you've got kids that all every kid will bash their heads in yeah. uh, for, for, for the team, team player, like you just said, yeah. uh, they've got that more team aspect than most schools. You'll, you'll, you'll get some parents a little bit like, well, I'm trying to help my kid out, you know, whatever, blah, blah. You hear about that. I don't know if that happens to Katie. It doesn't seem like I, I see that sure. from them as much. they trust the coaches they 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 trust the process um that's the first thing i noticed the second thing is the exact opposite of what you said about like a new school comes in what are they right. doing i don't think they do anything different i think yeah. they do the same thing over and over and over again back to what i said like yeah they, they're know exactly what they're doing every play they have it critiqued to where it's 100 percent perfect and you just go with it. Yeah, yeah. It's got plays under center, which you rarely see anymore. It's still got a tight end set, which you barely see anymore. You know what I mean? They, they, they're, they're odd front, which I learned most of that from Coach Schreiber is, you know, been there forever, and it's right. very. It lines up to, you know, any kind of formation you could possibly think of with too much of a hiccup, like, um. That's just what I see. I think the yeah. kids know what to do. You don't see any be like, where's the strength? Where's the strength? You know? Right, what we got? right, right, right. Oh, there's a tight end. Like, the kids know, and they go right away. 
And I feel like they're they never catch they're never caught with you know their their hands tied behind their back. They sure. know what they're doing, and I, I and that's what I see. I don't know the full ins and outs because I'm not at Katie High School, but just from playing them for you know those those two years now that I've seen, that's the biggest to me. That's the biggest factors I see. Very cool. So that that looking forward to that. Look, can't wait to get out into the Katy community and really not just Katy High School, but all of 196A. Just really excited. Love that district. You know yourself, Jimmy at Seven Lakes. I just, I love that district. So can't wait to to see more of those games out there. Now you know me. I love coaches. Now that I'm a broadcaster, I get to be in the stands a little bit more. And I always yeah. talk about this. Like I see kind of negative behavior sometimes. I don't like like either whether it's parents second guessing coaching or yelling at referees or just negative behavior, which I just hate. Cause to me, athletics is the most beautiful thing. Like we should treasure it and like protect it like high school athletics. It's, it's what we, we need more of it. We don't need the negativity. And so I think that I understand that parents and you're a parent, you have two young kids. Of course, parents, they love their kids. That's why sometimes they act out of line, right? They think they're doing it out of love. It's a place of love, but I don't think that's what's best for the kid. I think it does not give the kid the best experience. I was lucky, and I think your parents were the same way. My parents really stayed out of it. They didn't. They never second-guessed my coaching or anything. They just went to the games and supported, which I think is the best kind of parent. So I'm just, I'm, I'm curious for you. You're, you're a high-level coach. You're a dad. What advice would you give to parents that are listening? What, what can parents do to try to give their kids the best possible athletic experience? Honestly, just at the end of the day, trust the coaches. Yeah, we, we, all of us went to college for this stuff. Shoot, all of us played college sports. We know the ins and outs of how to get in. You know, like I, I've, I, I, I've had a lot of parents, or not parents, but I know some parents. Not, not actually, not specifically Made Creek, like just parents that I know from friends and stuff like that, that are taking these, they're spending thousands of college dollars, of, you know, to get these kids um, on all these camps and all this stuff, which I think is good. Like you want to get your face out there in some aspect, but some of them are like. Like, might want to save that money for if your kid doesn't play sports to use for college, but that's just my own personal opinion. <laughs> but um, here's the deal. Like, like one of them is like, well, I don't want my kid to get overlooked. And I'm like, I'm be honest. If your kid was that good, trust me, he's never going to get overlooked. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'll These college <laughs> coaches get paid hundreds of thousands, depending on the big program, millions of dollars to go and coach. They're not going to pass up some kid that's, Stupid playing D1 and he's just sitting there and they ignored him because God forbid, you know what I mean? That they just mm-hmm. overlooked him. It doesn't work that way. And these parents have to understand that we talk to these college coaches. We played college ball. We went to school for this. This is our job. Our job. It's not like I'm going to have some doctor over there and be like, Doc, you don't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, right, you, right, right for that like why wouldn't you question a doctor but you question us that we're not helping your kid like like you know i, I actually had coach bob tell me a funny story he's like every parent he's of course talking basketball he's like every parent wants the four best players on the court and then their kid right <laughs> sure 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 you know what i mean yeah you know yeah. good point like like i remember um before my dad passed away we uh is when University of Texas was playing at the uh, uh, the bowl game here, and they had an open practice at, at U of H where they were practicing. And I was like, hey, Dad, it's open. You want to go? He's like, yeah, let's go, blah, 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 blah. So we get there, and 
you know, they, they, they're kind of warming up, not really started. They're, they're doing the pregame warmups, you know, and, you know, like the all linebackers were over there. We walked by linebackers and, you know, they're all like my height, my size or whatever, yeah. you know. And then the freaking off at the line comes out and we're all like that, yeah. looking up at them and stuff. <laughs> and I go to my dad and I was like, hey, dad, you see that? That's why I didn't play at Texas. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, yep. and, and that's what a lot of parents have to understand. Like, if you're, <laughs> there's some freaks out there and your kid may not be that freak. That, that now, that's what Marvin Nash, who's an Austin College alum and also team player alum, that he said on his episode at the be- and he's he's the recruiting coordinator for uh San Marcos High School, and he says he he hosts a parent meeting and one of the things they do at the beginning of the year is they pull up the University of Texas roster, and they read the height and the weight, and it's one of those things when you look at the linemen, they're six foot six, two hundred ninety pounds, and so as guys like you and me that were six one two thirty, it is what it is, you know, right? So. But you want to know my really, 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 really best advice for those parents? Yeah. At the end of the day, the goal is your kid to get in college. Absolutely. Find E2 programs that you're passing up because you think your kid's a D1 kid. And D3. I mean, look at at me. So I I was a, you know, first team all district in 26A, and I thought I was going to waltz in there and just be the best thing since sliced bread or whatever. It's not that easy. All those kids were studs at their places, too. You know, so D3 yeah. athletics, it's still very comp- – it's still – it's a step especially, up from high school, definitely. Especially in Texas. Yes. If you're playing a D3 program in Texas, you're still playing one probably the one top top programs in all of the United States. Sure. Let's be honest. And so, like, for, my, for those of the parents well, – I don't really talk to the parents, but I tell the kids that all the time. Yeah. Like, when kids like, do they play D1? Honestly, dude, probably not. But you can play D2, bro. They still pay for your school. You still get your education. You still go to college, boom, go get yourself a good job. And look at look at my brother. His school was yeah. paid for it. He was a deep snapper. Yeah. Yeah. That's a guy that was a you know a five foot nine offensive lineman. And you know, so just like us, it wasn't gonna happen, but he learned a trade. He learned how to snap the hell out of that football. That's and he great. went to he went to see yeah, he went to central Oklahoma and D two and met his wife and it changed his whole life. You know, so yeah. yeah. I'm all for it, man. Wherever you, wherever you fit in, go for it and just just embrace it. So, yeah, I, I don't like hearing sometimes coaches tell me, you know, sometimes certain players or families, they'll, they'll kind of snub their nose at like a D3 that reaches out, like not respond to the coach. I'm, I'm telling you, respond to everybody, be humble, be grateful for the attention and just see where it all shakes out. But, man, this has been fun. We are coming up to the very last thing. We always have a little bit of fun at the end of the show. Yeah, we you- went not- we got over 90 minutes. We yeah, we had a long show. I knew I knew it was gonna be a good one, man. I know you were nervous thinking there's no way we're gonna go 90 minutes. And I said, hey, Oh yeah, I was I was nervous just to get to that time frame, you know. Yeah, no, you yeah, you've been great, Albert. But let's talk about this, man. And, and if this is gonna be a Fort Ben Austin thing here, so I know a lot of our Austin friends are probably listening to this show. You may want to uh, fast forward if you don't care about the Austin Bulldogs, but we're gonna do a Mount a Fort Bend Austin Bulldog Mount Rushmore. So of course, Mount Rushmore is that you know the four presidents. So we're gonna do our top, I'm gonna do Albert Estrada's four most influential Austin Bulldogs that he's ever met in his time. So he can go any way that he wants with this. We're going to just have some fun with it, but I'm curious because you, you spent a lot of time walking those hallways there on, on Pheasant Creek drive, you know? So I'm, I'm curious for you, who is your Austin Bulldog top four all time, your Austin Bulldog Mount Rushmore. I am going to throw you a freaking curveball, a hundred and and honestly, because you know me and I feel like you're going to think I'm going to go a different route on this. Okay. But I'm- you why i'm not so on this thing i'm a football guy so i'm gonna say football related 
Okay. Is that the right thing? Probably not, but it's just, I know a lot of people in Fort Bend, and if I'm going to answer this question, it's, I mean, I mean, it won't be a Mount Rushmore. I don't know. We're going to have like 30 people on there. Sure, yeah. Um, so I'm going to go athletic-based. And then okay. the second reason I'm going to go this route is these – I don't know everybody in and out who they are as a person. They might right. be the crappiest person in the world, but I'm huge on people. So I can't really do that just because I don't know those people, right? So I'm going to go with success. Okay. Okay. I'm going to name the four, and then I'm going to say the four on why it should be. Okay. Okay. Charles Burton. Charles Burton. Good. Very good one. Excellent. Darling Twins. Ab- absolutely. Devon and DeVard. And then uh, Jerry Hughes. No doubt. I think, I think you had a perfect list, man. Okay. So my reason behind it. Um, Charles Burton, because he was kind of the biggest name that kind of came out of Fort Bend at the time for athletics purposes, especially, yep. you know, you know, Austin was brand new during a time during his era. And he had some pretty good success in college and the NFL and stuff like that, what he did there. And then obviously he got to be a head coach yep. and all his other stuff. Like that's 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 pretty successful. Absolutely. Uh, in that aspect. Um, so let's go with the darlings. So now, when I bring this up, Burton and Darlings were before my time, yeah. essentially. Yes. And then Jerry Hughes slightly after. So, I, you know, anyways, um, you know, I you, you got to go with DeVar just because, I mean, he played D1 football, yep. NFL, yep. you know, stuff like that. You know, um, one, another success out of, out of, out of. Fort Ben Austin, which we got to hold I, on. I want to do, I do want to promote for anyone listening every single year. And I like running five K's. That's because I'm kind of getting more into running now as I'm trying to lose weight and stuff. So Devar Darling hosts what he calls the Darling Dash. And it's in, it's in memory of his twin brother, Devon, who passed away when they were freshmen at Florida state. Turns out that Devon had a sickle cell trait, uh, you know, that basically essentially, um, and Devar can explain this so much better than I can, but I'm from, from listening to him to kind of share with me, is, you know, whenever you, if you have this trait, you can get in a very dangerous physical state when you exert, do hard physical exertion, especially when you're dehydrated. And so that's why DeVard is so big on hydration. Even at this event, it really is kind of powerful. I, I, I'm sprinting as hard as I can to cross the finish line. DeVard's waiting there for me saying, hey, great job, Kobe. And he, but he gives me water immediately. Immediately, they're always you know, saying, hey, please drink because that can be the difference in saving lives. And the other thing I want to say is DeVard is raising this money so that kids that, that are, you know, potential carriers of this trait can get the test. And, he, and that's the thing DeVard says, it's that simple, just a simple blood test. We can find out if you have it or not, and we can save your life. But that's what happens when sometimes kids aren't diagnosed with it. You know, bad things can happen. So I'm so, I, I just wanted to say that to anyone. So if you, if you enjoy running 5Ks, Please Google the Darling Dash. It's every single year. It's always in February, which is Devon's birthday. Um, so please run the Darling Dash. It's it's for a great cause. But yeah, go on. Yeah, sorry, but I, I just I love Devar Darling what he does, man. So I'm so glad you put him on that list. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run the five k because I don't like to run that. So maybe I'll just get money. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to race you, man. You're stronger than me now. I want to see if I can at least beat you in something. Oh, okay, I gotcha. <laughs> Princeton. You kidding. probably would still beat me, man. You're just yeah. you're just a competitor. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I got this weird energy. Um, and then so I guess to move on with Devon, um, he was kind of like you in that aspect where everybody was always talking about him in high school. Right. Like this 
guy. This is the guy. Like, he left that legacy. And, of course, he passed away, unfortunately. But he got to go to Florida State. So, I think he's definitely I, – I, maybe he would have gone to NFL. Maybe he'd be the most successful NFL guy. We will never know. Right. Uh, I think he kind of left that legacy because of, like, that's the guy you need to be. I heard he's a great guy. I remember when he died – Um. There's a lot of people crying, high schoolers, just crying and bawling and all this other stuff. I remember that. So obviously he had a huge impact on a lot of people. One more thing, Albert, at the race this year, DeVard recognized, I forget the name of the teacher. Was it, was it Miss Walling? I don't, I don't remember the name and it's not a teacher that I had, but there is a woman that has been to every single darling dash and it was Devon and DeVard's out like algebra teacher. Oh, and she really? was there. I thought that was so, you talk about that Austin high school legacy and teacher staying for a long time. I just thought that was so cool that all these years later, their, their teacher Love them so much that she still does this. But is it Bowman? Maybe I, I don't remember I her don't name, but, but she was there. Okay. It, it was really cool. So she came up on the podium, and, and, and but that was pretty cool. But That's the thing awesome. about Devon, if you talk to other people that played high school football like in the late 90s, oh, everybody knows who he was, you yeah, know. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Like maybe on campus, people knew who I was, but like people around the city didn't know me. Everybody knew Devon Darling because he had he had that it factor man he was that big linebacker but he could run the 100 meter dash all skater and he also and back in the day man and you don't see this those big old cowboy collars man he was number 44 he had the big cowboy collar and it just was intimidating and i I wish some kids would kind of bring that back and nobody does anymore but i would love to see a middle linebacker with the big cowboy collar uh playing some football there but yeah devon and devard man great choice i wonder mobility on turning your neck so you can't see as much you know what i mean like sure. especially you know open up the hook and curl flat area yeah, I don't know. anyways yeah. um and then last time i said jerry hughes which obviously uh i don't really know him personally um was he on he, the varsity I, at all when you were there or not at all no he's a freshman i was a senior he's a freshman you were a senior okay yeah he's a year younger than my brother okay um and I've heard good things about him. Seems like he's a pretty good guy. I really respect a guy because you you don't see this from many kids anymore. He played running back in high school, yeah. and TCU was like, "Hey, you go play DN." He's like, "Okay, cool, whatever." You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. He's one, you, you you just don't see that. You, you, all these kids are like, "Oh, I play this." I'm like, "Okay, well, you might have limited your chances of playing somewhere." You know what I mean? If a coach like you. Yeah. You know, you're off of the line, man. They said, hey, go play DN. Okay, I'll play DN. Oh, go back to offensive line. Okay, I'll play offensive line. Go right. play tight. You don't really have. Okay, well, go to wing. <laughs> we kind of have that. So, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, at the day, like, that would be what I would do. Like, I re- okay, so quick story on, on, on my last thing about me. That actually happened to me in, like, it, it's just kind of funny. But at the end of the day, I remember, like, I, uh, it was, what was it specifically? Oh, okay. So pretty much, I remember that um, coach, I forget who brought me in. I've been kidding, man. And he told me, like, hey, oh, is there a spring? And he's like, he's like, hey, did you want to play off of the line? And I've been playing tie tackle the whole time, right? And he's like, which means a strength. And he's like, hey, do you want to go play split tackle? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. And and he's like, oh, obviously on varsity. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, did you want time to think about it? I was like, uh no let's go right. you know what i mean like i just want to play like any day i didn't want to play i don't care if you tell me to go play center i'll go play center like i didn't care you know what i mean like i yeah. just want to play so anyways i respect that with jerry hughes and then of course he's not even arguably the most successful for ben austin uh football nfl sure. player absolutely um, 
he's definitely going to be at the top of the list for that. So, yeah, that'd be my four Mount Rushmores now. I might have a Mount Rushmore for my best my friends that I know, for just <laughs> your kids I know, my one yeah. half for best academically. That's a different list, but you know, since we were we're we're jocks, we're talking about football. I'll just keep it football related. Love it, man. And man, Albert, man, this has been a fun episode. You, you're you're a true character. Like for people that don't know you, you are just always a larger than life personality. You're very boisterous and goofy, and you kind of oh, like I'm honestly to give people an idea. Like you remind me of White Goodman, the character <laughs> on Dodge Ben Stiller's White Goodman. That that kind of is how you are, you know, off the camera and, and in real life, man. But you're a good friend, man. Love you, dude. Thanks for coming out here. Well, man, this was fun. If you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did, again, just just please, wherever you're listening, click the five-star rating. That helps us so much. Helps more people find the show when they search for a, short, a sports podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. You can hit us up at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or suggestions or a guest idea. A lot of our guests come for, via recommendation. So we're really kind of building a cool community here. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr. And our intro and exit music is One More Good Enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach Albert Estrada, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, Ms. Santos. I really appreciate it. I had actually a lot more fun <laughs> than I thought I would. But, yeah, appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks for all the team players out there for your support. And we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy